Music Free Thursday. Music Free. Acapella, actually. It's more of an acapella than it is. Oh, yeah? Vote. Hit us with those beautiful tunes, those beautiful show tunes. These eyes are crying. There it is. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Thursday edition of the DNBR Nuggets podcast, a.k.a. the DNBA show. There it is. We're going to be doing a little mailbag. We're going to be doing a little bit of notebook. And to help me with all of that, I've got the homies. I've got the man with the wind behind a hat, Harrison Lind. I'm doing well, guys. I'm just raring up for a three-game homestand. It's been a while since the Nuggets have been home. Three potential wins. I'm feeling good. Feeling good about the Nuggets. Feeling good about life. Ooh. I'm actually feeling good about the Nuggets too, which is funny because they're coming off of a, a getting their butts kicked and then the weirdest game ever. But I, I still also am with you. I kind of believe the Nuggets are the team that was on that five-game winning streak more than the two-game losing streak. Uh, I've also got Britton Vote in the house. Yeah, and one thing I had this in my notes, guys. I don't know if you. I thought last night if they had Jokic, they might have. It could have gone better, but yep. you know they didn't. So that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know. That game doesn't mean anything. It's so it's so weird. It's over. It's in the past. Um, but there is still a lot of stuff to get to. And, you know, haven't done a notebook pod. We had goatee stuff. We had some other stuff going on. So I actually haven't had a list, I think, for a week or week and a half. I have several videos clipped with more to come that should be up tonight. So it'll be in your inbox by the time you wake up tomorrow. A brand new addition to the list. I tell you, when I don't do the list, I miss it, man. I, I love it. It might be my favorite thing other than, like, hosting the show is re-watching the games and going slow. And I think here very soon, we're actually going to be able to hop on for DNVR members, hop on playback and just rewatch a game from start to finish where I can like pause it and slow down and stuff. And I'm like so pumped for that. I think it's going to be the coolest experience. So if you're on the fence, become nice. a DNVR member. Yeah, here you should turn your camera on real quick because we also have an announcement. Guys, I don't know if you know, DNVR Rapids has arrived. Uh, we just announced today with right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. Super producer Kale is off today. Yeah, here producing. Uh, he's been a producer for us for several months. Today. He's going to be hosting the Rapid Show. And yeah, here. Tell us about the show, man. I'm super excited. We're going to have a lot of guests come on. We're going to tap in into the Rapids community. Uh, we're going to have some exclusive interviews with like a, a lot of Rapids players, coaches, front office members. Um, it's going to be just a lot of fun all the way around. It's going to be a weekly thing. We'll go live and then we'll also make it into a podcast. But I'm just super excited to finally get this chance to like cover the team that I truly, truly love. Better not blow it, man. This isn't. I'm just kidding. No, it's gonna be fun. And one of the I'll be, about Rapids, I'll be the Jazz. I'll be the Jazz in the playoffs when it comes to this. <laughs> one of the things that's cool about Rapids is it goes through like spring and summer, and you know, there's like, no off season. There's no off season, but really the summer is when it peaks because we'd be doing these cool tailgates out there, which like. You could go to the tailgate, not even go to the game. Just go eat some burgers and, and hot dogs and pizza and stuff. And I can't wait for that. So keep your eye out for um, for that going on. Um, do you guys want to get into some notebook notes here from the last Let's couple do of games? It. This is not from last night's games. That would be uh, – these are mostly from, from Milwaukee, but just a couple of few like big picture notes. Um, one, of, one thing that's been really cool, and this will be on the list obviously, the Nuggets have been using Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green – as these trail screeners when Jokic brings the ball up the court. So you notice when Jokic is bringing the ball up the court, one of those two guys will usually either run to the corner, sprint to the corner, or sprint to the rim, rim run, and try to seal their man. 
And that's like a, every team does that with their fours, usually with their fives, but with their fours also. But since Denver's so unique, so many things they get to do are special. Yoke brings the ball up the court. You get one guy that rim runs and then will clear out to the corner. And then you get the two guards that will run to each wing. This is how you get floor balance. That last guy, so if it's Aaron Gordon, rim run, get to the corner. Jeff Green will set this little delay screen up at the top of the key, a little 5-4 pick and roll that happens within the flow of the offense. And I just love it because – if you get a defensive rebound and Jokic is bringing it up, I want I should look it up what Denver's points per possession is when they get a defensive rebound, when they get a stop and go. It's got to be sky high because you get that action, you almost guaranteed to get a switch. You're almost guaranteed to get the defense having to sag into the paint, like just sprinting to the paint to cut everything off. And then you get wide open threes for your guards, wide open threes to the corner. Or even if you don't get a wide open three, you get into your dribble pitch, like Jokic will run, it's like a little delay screen. You have a guy roll to the rim. If nothing's open, he'll pitch it to Monte and go right into the pick and roll, which is what they would have done anyway. Only now you're already a half step ahead of the defense. So that pick and roll doesn't even have to be a good one. And it's just a really cool uh, thing that the Nuggets have started to do more and more and more. And it's like one of those things we talk about identity. Sometimes it happens naturally. And this is one of those things where I think that the Nuggets are like, this is what we do every time Jokic brings the ball up the court. And it's really effective. Yeah, look, man, like part of what makes Jokic so incredible and the Nuggets offense so great is because it's so unique. And he does things that no defense has ever seen and no defense can really prepare for. You know, like I remember when we used to talk about the the Murray-Jokic two-man game and when it was Murray sometimes setting the screen for Jokic. And right. like that's tough for the defense to cover because – a center, an opposing center, an opposing point guard don't know how to cover that stuff. So just these little intricacies, it's so hard to cover because there's just, you know, no precedent for it. Who was it? Just yesterday, a coach said he's the hardest guy to prepare for. Who was it? Was it was it the well, Utah Jazz or was it, Bo it Budenholzer? It was the Utah assistant. I forget his name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a note there before I cut you off? Oh? No, just we've talked about this before, and it's not something I have a ton of confidence in. But what you having Jokic on the court does in terms of how a defense attempts to match up with you, if Porter could ever get if he if if he's taking notes on the way Jeff Green plays alongside Jokic, it's gonna be way different, different skill set, and he's there to shoot. But there are again, just by being a good screener, right? And by paying attention to when to slip, when to set a hard screen, and and where and when to be moving off ball, he could become so much more unguardable. I don't expect it. He, he hasn't shown to be that sort of, you know that type of player yet in his career. But it is just you watch Jeff Green and you go, man, Jokic plus two smart forwards, two talented right. forwards. How do you how do you guard that? It really is. And the funny thing, my next note in here was that um, they got into. So much of basketball is just flow. Like you might be out of position, but can you just read and figure out how to get into position really quickly? There was a play in the Milwaukee game where Jokic, or I think it is, yeah, Jeff Green has the ball on the wing and Jokic is like, looks at him and he's like, us too. Like pitch it to me and set a screen. Like let's run a little. And you can see Jeff Green's like, what the hell? You're coming over here, pitch and screen. Like, you know, like you would do with a guard. And you can see Jeff Green's kind of like, whatever. And then he rolls. Jokic slings it across the, to the opposite corner because the defense sucked in and gets a wide open three for Aaron Gordon. It's just one of those things where, like, even you could see Jeff Green with the wheels turning where he's like, oh, yeah, I forget. You can do this stuff, too. Like, he's running handoffs as if Jokic is his point guard. And it was, it's just so cool, man. Like, 
the Nuggets really do have a lot. This is my most important note. My most important note, fellas. Denver's success right now is all about putting pressure on the paint, especially with that second unit, because the second unit doesn't have guys that can do that. There's a couple ways you can put pressure on the paint through offensive rebounding, a la Jared Vanderbilt, Kenneth Fareed. Like, they just feel like they have to always be tagging you or else you're going to get the offensive board. You can do it through post presence, a la Jokic. You're down on the block. The whole defense feels like they have to suck in. Uh, you could do it on rim rolling gravity, a la JaVale McGee or, or DeAndre Jordan in his heyday where they're putting pressure. There's one more, and it's the type. Like, the Nuggets second unit doesn't have any of those guys. Like, they really can't do any of that. Oh, I should say also dribble penetration, just getting by the, the first line of defense, and so everybody has to help out. Denver, Bones Highland can do that. He's pretty good at it, but he's not consistent enough. Uh, Boogie Cousins can put pr paint pressure. They don't have any rim rollers. Uh, they don't really have offensive rebounding. J. Mike does some sometimes. But the one that I think that it gets overlooked is cutting really hard. Hmm. Just cutting hard. Not even being open on cuts, but cutting in a way that makes it really hard. And this is the one area where that second unit to me, that's the one where they should be a lot better at. They should have guys that are making really, really hard, deliberate cuts just because it makes the defense tag and react. And to me, that's like one area. If I'm coaching that second unit, I'm like, every cut you make has to be hard, has to be deliberate, or you're getting pulled out. It's almost like you want to make that second unit run like a college-style motion <laughs> offense sometimes because there's just no movement. And it's like, oh, we're going to run a pick and pop with three other guys standing around. Oh, we're going to run you know, a pick and roll that we can't even get into the paint on with three guys on the perimeter. I agree. You need more motion. You need more cutting. Um, it would open some stuff up. Yeah. And, you know, that is all I think maybe a little more possible and hope to see some more of it with Bones at point guard because he can penetrate. Like one of my notes on Jermichael Green lately is he's a really underrated cutter and off-ball mover, uh, especially when guards have are, are penetrating and then have a, a rim, a lane to the rim, excuse me. We've seen him connect with Barton a couple times. He's had a few connections with Bones now as well, where you go, okay, maybe it was really suboptimal to have this guy probing along the perimeter above the break when there are other things he can do for this group. And so that's really the crux of the Bones case, right? He can get into the right. teeth of the defense, and that allows other things to happen. Yeah. And we even think about when Zeke Naji was having a good stretch as a roller there for a while. A lot of it wasn't, he didn't really get any lobs, but it really was just the fact that he was rolling and rolling with a purpose. purpose. And sometimes just doing it with a purpose, like the defense reacts to it. So I don't think that it's like a, a fix all to the second unit, but putting paint pressure on is just so important. And since they're so bad at it, the margins matter that much more. And mm. I have a great example of Jeff Green actually cutting really hard in transition like he sprints from half court right down the middle of the lane and Yoke uses him perfectly times his pass to the corner, but he uses him as a decoy to suck the defense in. And by the way, I was thinking about this the other day. We keep thinking like Jokic is better than last year, but quantifying how is sometimes difficult. Attacking closeouts is definitely one of them. Like Jokic has just got, he keeps getting, it's a two year thing, but he's getting better and better at it. The, I honestly believe this. I think he's become a better passer. <laughs> like He definitely him. has. Clearly, his timing is better. His timing is like he's used to always get it right, and maybe, but now he's like early. Yeah, no, like you can just see it by the amount of the, the same pass he made to Aaron Gordon for that game winning three right. against the Clippers. He's making that pass like three times a game. It's yeah. such an easy read for him to make, and it's a read that like one other guy in the NBA can make. 
But it's just stuff like that where you last year, the year before, you're like, oh, it was an amazing pass. That stuff is so regular yeah. right now this season. He used to never miss guys that are open, but now he's just passing everyone open. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, his post, I mean, obviously his aggressive, aggressive aggressiveness as a scorer has gotten better. Like that's a big area too. But I think even his his post footwork, maybe even his touch. I mean, we'll we'll see how this plays out. But the left, the left is he's really just better at everything, man. It's it's pretty wild. Um, Jokic early on. Here's one of my big my big things. Jokic can have a lot of turnovers, and I don't think they're bad because I don't. I've, I've said not all turnovers are created equal. This or that. In that Milwaukee game, he had a lot of passes that were either turnovers or were tipped. And mm-hmm. to me, I liken it like he also had eight assists. I liken it to a Steph Curry deep three that like hits like the side of the backboard or so. You know, like like a real bad miss where you look at that and you're like, dude, what's it? You don't do that with Steph Curry. Will Barton takes a deep three and it like really bricks hard. You, you're like, what the heck is that? If Steph does it. Even if he misses, he has the effect on teams. And I think Jokic has a similar thing. He was throwing like crazy, trying to thread the needle and it not working early. But I still feel like it has the defense on their toes in a way that actually opens things up for him. Well, they have to feel like they have to guard every cut, right? Even if that right. player is Austin Rivers and not a knock, right. just certainly not Jamal Murray, you still have to take every action seriously or every little cut or dummy cut because it's Jokic, and if you fall asleep, that can turn from a decoy to plan A real quick. Um, um, another note I have in here, Austin Rivers, I, I'm, I have so many different thoughts about Austin Rivers right now. Like he's the, Of all the Nuggets players, he's the one I have the, I'm the least confident in about whether he should or should not play. Like I, I go back and forth. There's some real positives and some real negatives to him. Uh, and he brings some things that nobody else does, and he like lacks some things that just drive me personally nuts, and I have to figure out if those go in a box. Like It's okay. Not everybody – some people just annoy you because they don't do the things you like the most. Um, he is involved in a lot of miscommunications, and I don't know whose fault it is, but generally when you see one guy show up a lot in the – like when there's a wide-open layup and two guys are like yelling at each other doing this, he just shows up a lot in those. And, and I don't know what to make of that. Well, it's surprising because you think the fact that he's such a veteran, I mean, he's one of the most veteran guys on the team. He'd be involved in uh, like the fewest of those. So that's, that's not great. Um, Austin Rivers, like I, I, he's been really good for the Nuggets at times this season. He's filled a, a role. He like gets mad at Nikola Jokic more than anyone. I feel like. <laughs> Have you seen this sometimes over the last couple of games? Like he doesn't finish a cut. Yoke oh, passes man. him the ball. It's a turnover. No. He had that one under the basket a couple of yes. games ago. That's on and the he's list. like yelling at Yoke. <laughs> You're like, yeah, dude. I think you just got to eat that one and say, yeah, "My you bad." Got to. Um, you got to. You got to. I do Honestly, have to... every time with Yoke. Yoke's never wrong on that stuff. Like, literally, never wrong. Never on wrong. It. So, if Yoke, yeah, he's yelling at you, man. Come on. Being defensive or whatever, because you're being yelled at, I get. But also, like, listen to what he's saying because he's probably right. But I will say though, uh, Jokic's body language towards Austin is demonstrative. It's. <laughs> I would also start to feel a little down. He's just like, hey, dude, what are you doing now? In his Yoke's defense, Austin is in the wrong place six out of ten times. But it's. I've noticed it. You know something though. If you look at two-man combinations, Jokic Rivers plus 14.4. And more to the point, a phenomenal defensive lineup. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, like the, I think the offense is something like 115 and the defense is like 101. 
And the minutes are about 300 minutes. It's about the minutes we – a little bit less than the minutes we have with Faku Jokic, but still a sample size that you're like, that's intriguing. And this is what I mean. I've talked a lot about if you just have guys that can defend, especially defend the pick and roll with Jokic, that might be it. Like, shut it down. He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest of the heavy lifting. And Rivers is one of those guys that at least the numbers bear it out to the point where I'm a little curious what more minutes look like with Austin Rivers. Now, from an aesthetic standpoint – they're not that fun. Like that means the offense is right, only going right. to be like pretty good as opposed to awesome. But what do you think vote about more minutes for rivers? Not as a bench guy, but as a Jokic guy. Well, it has worked. I, my thing is, I think the big takeaway last night from everyone from that uh, unavailable, I'm calling it, um, is that Dev- Davon Reed needs to play more. And yeah. when I look at this roster construction, I'm not sure who he would replace if not Austin Rivers. To me, that makes the most sense. Now, in the same breath, I think Austin Rivers has had a good season. I know his first month and a half was really bad. I think he's been disproportionately maligned, all things considered. I still believe Ree should play over him. Like I, I look at the Rivers successes that they've had as great. Minimum, third string, lightning in a bottle. You got it. That's awesome. But is there a more responsible long-term fix? And I do wonder if that's Reed. Uh, but that's somewhat unfair to Rivers, who I actually think has contributed more than than is sort of talked about. Yeah. Uh, do I need to see more Austin Rivers and Yoke? No, I don't. You like, don't? No, I don't. I mean, sometimes I think like Rivers will be good. Sometimes he'll be bad. I, I think he's solid with Yoke. I, I think it is what it is. Yeah. I just wonder when you start to talk about the guys Denver's missing, I mean, in particular, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, like the the two and the four just have to be defensive players. And Aaron Gordon's obviously that. Right. And I do wonder, does that mean that Austin Rivers maybe is just a stopgap for that? But can you buy some extra minutes? There? I mean, they've already experimented with Will playing with the bench unit a little bit more. Right. And I wonder if that's more of like, hey, AG lock in in the interior, Rivers lock in on the exterior, Jokic Porter Murray do your thing on offense and – I don't know. That's why I say, and the numbers bared out at least a little bit that I'm curious to see uh, how that extrapolates. The last things I have in here before we go to our first break, I just really like Bones, man. I like watching him live, and when I get into the tape, I like him even more. And here's the thing about Bones. He is a great prospect, meaning he does a lot of things really well right now and plays well. But the things he's weak at are the things that I feel are most likely to improve with time. So number one, you talk about strength. Like he does need to work on his body and who knows if he will. And and I know people will say, oh, he's so skinny. They're skinny players in the NBA. They make it work because they really bulk up and get stronger. He needs to do that. But like his mid-range game can really open up a lot. Part of it is if his mid-range game was Monte Morris-esque or Jamal Murray-esque and his ability to do it, he really would become unguardable because his hezzy is way better than either of those guys. Like Monte has a great hezzy. Jamal Murray has a lot of shifty moves. Bones has a way quicker first step. So when that hesitation happens and you bite on it, he gets all the way to the rim easy uh, and and it makes a huge difference. Um, You know, reading, like just reading defensively, like reading the court, those types of things, they're just experienced. So to me, when I watch him play, even when he's bad, like he was, you know, in in, in Minnesota, I still look at it and I go, you know what? It's just so worth it because the his growth, I project, his growth will be very linear over the next three years and that he'll just be better every single month for the next three seasons at least. Yeah, you saw it last night, just the flashes. I mean, he hit that mid-ranger last night. He got to the rim. 
I, I know you were saying like Bones is has a quicker first step than a Jamal and a Monte, and he definitely does. But I don't feel like Bones is this like ultra quick twitch, ultra lightning quick guy. He's still, you know, he's not like the quickest twitch point guard, but because of what's in his bag and because of how good he is at changing speeds and stuff, yeah, he can still get by anybody. And so, like, I don't, I don't think he's the quickest, but yeah, he can just still get into the paint on almost anyone. So here, can I tell you what I think it is? I think it's a couple things. One, he does have really good bag. Like he has just really good like series of moves. They're very similar, but he com- compounds them into like combos. Um, but also, he has very high hips, long legs, and long reach. And so yeah. he doesn't have to beat the guy like an Ish Smith, where he has to beat him by a full step. Right. Yep. He actually only has to get hip to hip with him. And then his extension does the rest of the work right. for him, and it really makes a big difference. So he's very springy. He's got like cheetah build where his changing legs are speeds so high. too. He yep. he's incredible at changing speeds for a rookie, also. And I'm, you know his counter move to his go is his back, his step back. Like right. he does a lot of where he dribbles forward, steps backwards into a three, and defenses know that they're like they're worried about that the whole time. He has a. Uh, uh, almost unique handle, right? It's like built around getting Bones Highland open and, and it's yeah. it's shifty. It's all about the hezzy and he shifts gears within, you know, multiple gears within a, a five second drive. So I think wins right about the change of speeds. And I, he's so long, those scoop, those scoop layups. You're right. He doesn't need a ton of separation and so much to appreciate about Jamal Murray, especially now in 2022, but it did take him a while to learn how to get past guys. He, he was not a very fluid, oh, this guy moves different. He had to work really, really hard. And so I am encouraged about that by Bones, I think. Last night was interesting. We saw those seven assists. We also saw the four turnovers. And you go, okay, this is it, right? This is the growing pains of a young, talented guard. The best way to iron out those turnovers, just keep playing them. Yeah. I do wonder. I see this comment here about, you know, does he replace Barton's minutes next year? Look, I don't know about next year just because it's hard to know. Like, I do think he makes a big growth this summer. Like, just adds weight, plays. Is hopefully he's in the gym. Hopefully he's in Denver a lot, working with the coaching staff and just being around them. I think that's going to be very important for him. I don't know if he replaces him as a starter, but I do think he could replace him as a closer. Just in this way of like, he is a more dynamic at this moment shooter, get to the rim, this or that. And I'm just curious if like, hey man, that could make them a, a truly unguardable team in the clutch. Um, he's just got to get better defensively. He's got to get stronger. He's got to get all of those different things. The last thing I love this. He's a great off rhythm passer. He's got so many passes where the defense, like he picks up the dribble as if he's going for a layup and then throws it at the last second to where the defense is completely cut off guard. And I just, I'm really high on bones, bones Highland. I don't, he's nervous because I'm low on him this year. I feel like if the playoffs are going to really shine a negative light yeah. on him, but I'm very high on him. as just this prospect long-term that I, I really do believe in him. Yeah, I love that. Look, the Nuggets, at least right now, and Michael Malone, at least right now, is willing to take the good with the bad with him, you know, play through his mistakes, keep giving him minutes at backup point guard. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, you know, I he's definitely not going to be willing to live with those mistakes in the playoffs. Uh, but at least right now, this is good. This is a very good thing. I think yeah. in there, I think he's locked in. Malone did put Faku out there like five minutes earlier than the rest of the garbage time guys when they were down 25 in the third and the bench had been terrible. But I, to me, that was a we'll try anything move. Not like I think Malone has sort of made his decision here. And, and unless Bones really drops the ball, I think he he gets this opportunity going forward.
Um, why don't we hit a first break? On the other side, we're going to start. We're going to open up the mailbag and take your guys' questions. Some good ones came in today that uh, will provide some good conversation. Ranch Rider Spirits, guys, launched in 2019, born from a food truck in Austin, Texas. Uh, Ranch Rider, these drinks taste incredible. We've been trying them at the bar. Um, Ranch Rider uses premium spirits like Reposado Tequila or six times distilled vodka. These things are so good, man. Sparkling water and fresh squeezed citrus. Uh, They're the first to put Ranch Water, the iconic Texan beverage, in a can. These things are really, really good. It's a top 10 fastest selling alcohol brand in the country. So get on board. Ranch Rider Spirits. These things really are 10 out of 10. Like, honestly, this weekend coming up, you, if you're planning on drinking, look for them. Like, go online, find out where they are, and then take a picture, send them to us. Let, let us know your review, because I'm telling you, they're that good. They're awesome. And also, we uh, we want them to be like Breckenridge Brewery with us, just long-term partners. So check them out. Give us your review. Let us know what you think. Yeah. What do they have? They have a vodka soda. They have, like, a Paloma. They've Paloma. got yeah, the Paloma tequila. They have a jalapeno too. one. This jalapeno yeah. tequila and tonic is so good. Mm. Yeah, check them out ranchriderspirits.com to find a location near you um, at DraftKings guys this week the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here in honor of the big game DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team bet $5 get $280 in free bets if your team wins not a new customer uh, that's all right you can still get in on the action of super bowl 56 with same game parlays so download the DraftKings sportsbook app use promo code dnvr get 56 to 1 odds on either team bet five dollars get 280 dollars in free bets if your team wins that's promo code dnvr DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of super bowl 56 must be 21 or older, car only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling prom, call 1-800-522-4700. Also want to throw out a DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Firing up my app. Let's Let me it. see what we got. Do they have the lines out for tomorrow? They do. Nuggets minus two and a half. How is that not bigger? Man, is Yoke makes me worried about Yoke. <laughs> that makes me worried about him too. But yeah. I'm gonna take the Nuggets minus two and a half against the Pelicans tomorrow. If he plays, they should win by ten. Come on now. Even if he doesn't play, they might they be able have a to chance. win. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There you heard it at the DraftKings pick of the week, the lock of the week there for Harrison. <laughs> Nuggets to win. Yeah, here, let's open up the mailbag. Burner. Yeah, yeah here. here, let's open up the mailbag. Yeah, here's watching Rapids <laughs> highlights. He's watching soccer highlights. Come on, man. There it is. Severed heads inside of a bag. Our first one vote. You want to take us through these? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Oh, I guess I'll just read it manually, right? We don't have graphics. Uh, Kearns King says, Zeke started yesterday and showed good D. Can he be the starting power forward alongside the MVP? Uh, I hope he's not going to get traded at this deadline. Go for it, Harrison. Um, can he be the starting power forward? I haven't seen enough to make me say yes, but can he play alongside Jokic? I mean, I think he's like the perfect role player to play alongside Jokic. Low usage, super high efficiency, knows his role, knows his lane. Um, he he's still got to grow in a lot of areas that 
you know, the Nuggets need him to, but I've been pretty impressed with him for a year or two guy who really hasn't played a ton of minutes. I'm not anticipating the Nuggets trading him because what I just said, I know the Nuggets believe that like they really think he's a great role player in the Jokic system. So I don't anticipate it. Um, but yeah, starting power forward, eh, I'm not willing to go there yet, but um, great role player. What do you think, Vote? Uh, yeah, I'm not there on starting yet, but like this playoff rotation, play Zeke, right? Stagger him in alongside Jokic, a shooter, a guy who can switch, his, uh, who can switch and stay versatile. Been a little exaggerated, his one through five switchability, but also it's there. Like he, he has shown that he can do it. And last night he was arguably the best point of attack defender. So I'm all in on Zeke. And look, we're talking about shooters around Jokic, right? How could you say no to that? Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to be a starting level player like in this league. I, I do think maybe if he's your fifth best type guy, just because he's pretty limited. Um, I do think it's interesting. Like we talked about, you know, Michael Porter. If if you were to cash him in as a max, he plays well, but you feel like, hey, maybe we could use allocate those resources elsewhere. Could you plug Zeke in alongside Aaron Gordon and and then maybe really get a dynamite like shooting guard or something like that? Maybe like there is a world in which I could see that. But to me, I think he projects more to be used sort of like how he is being used right now, which is that he probably would not start this year, next year, or maybe maybe ever for the Nuggets, but probably overlaps and plays with Jokic. He he subs out Michael Porter, you know, six minutes into the game and plays three minutes with Jokic as the floor spacer and only grows in that role over time. So that would kind of be my response to that one. I wonder if his ceiling is like your third big. You know, your third big who can play both front court spots, maybe go up to the three in some defensive lineups, but play with a bunch of different players, but primarily off the bench. Yeah. Okay. Good question. Next one. Our next question, also about Zeke, comes to us from Marcus. Uh, how much of Zeke's recent improvement can be attributed to playing alongside an actual center in Boogie? And is that the best argument to keep Cousins around for the rest of the season? Not as much of a requirement to rim roll, crash the offensive glass, allowing for more spot ups and so on. Um, interesting. What do you think, Wind? Well, I think he's a great fit alongside Boogie, and I think some of his best games have come with Cousins also in the lineup. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, he can space the floor while Cousins can muck up the paint inside, um, and with you know, Zeke, he had a nice rebounding game uh, last night. He has not been a great rebounder this season. Cousins, right. that's been his best skill so far, rebounding. So I think from that aspect, they're a nice fit as well. Um, is that the best argument to keep Cousins? No, I think a better argument is just like that bench just needs him. And yeah, Zeke is better with him. But um, overall, the bench kind of just flat out needs him. Yeah, I don't know. Like Boogie definitely has had an impact on that second unit. I really want to see him. It's funny. What is his? T- when does his ten day run out? At the end of this homestand. At the- because here's what you've seen from Demarcus Cousins: Detroit, Brooklyn without their stars, Pelicans. You're gonna see him if he plays again on Friday. Pelicans again. Brooklyn, who's on a six game losing streak. The Knicks. It's just hard to really get. I don't. The games where you really would have got a grasp of this were the ones that he ended up sitting out. So it's kind of like, is he an impact player or is he really, which I suspect 
He's just a placeholder, meaning he's just a guy that's like, do we like what he brings? No, he just brings the position right. and 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 the size, and that's it. So um, that's kind of my read on it right now. But I do think Zeke Naji is not a big in that traditional sense, and he benefits from being alongside a big. Yeah, I like so, Zeke as a four. Cousins is this ten day. It's going to run out actually after this Brooklyn game. So he has two more games on this ten day. I think he can then sign another 10-day. It's mm. the standard 10-day uh, before Denver has to make a decision. That could be that could be the one. I don't know. I'm, it's just so weird. I mean, I honestly, I think he's going to be here long-term just based on the fact that he's now on technically his third 10-day, th- right? Because they did the like a bridge shortened, shortened yeah. one and then re-signed right. him. And, and he's missed so many games. Like, why would you keep doing that? So I, I have a feeling he'll just be back. Is there yeah. anything that prevents them from just tending him for the rest of the year, other than another team trying to poach him? Well, you only get two standard ten day contracts right. before that's, you have yeah, to right. yep. sign him to a regular deal. The COVID ten days, I think you get unlimited, so mm-hmm. you can play on those forever if you keep having guys in COVID. But you know, Nuggets seem like they're on the other side of that. Tell Porter to throw a party or something, you know, oh, dude. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Next question. Great username at Big Honey One Two Three. Love it. Who is Reed most likely to replace in the bench guard wing group of Bones, Forbes, Rivers? I don't see this question online, so I can't pull it up for you. Um, but nonetheless, who is Davon Reed? This is so. This is so hard. What do you think, Harrison? Who's he going to replace in that group? I mean. Rivers is the obvious answer. Um, I, I just feel like those guys are a little similar. You know, Dave Reed, he's not Pones Highland. Um, he, he's not Forbes. And the fact that Denver traded for Forbes, they gave up a second round pick for him. They're going to try to play him. They're going to be, you know, pretty intent on that, at least right now. We'll see what happens in a month from now or, um, in the playoffs, but Davon Reed and Austin Rivers are just kind of similar. So I would think he takes Rivers' minutes. You agree full, with that vote? Full agree. I, I it's not that Rivers hasn't earned it. It's just that if the goal is to get Reed in there, to me it makes the most sense in for Rivers. Um and like one of the top things I like about Rivers right now is the perimeter defense, which Reed can provide. The, one of the things I don't love about Rivers is the in-between effort when he's not directly on ball defense or the ball is in his hands. He right. does sometimes kind of sleepwalk through the motions, whereas I think Reed right now is not going to take any second for granted. Um, but I just think Forbes is playing. I think they need that shooting, and so Reed for Rivers makes more sense to me. I'm going to go against you guys and say Bryn Forbes, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's like might be the best bet here. Like if you do hand the keys off to, to Bones Highland, you really believe that he can run that second unit. And you're going to run with Zeke Naji. You're going to run with one of Jamichael Green or DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, and you keep Austin Rivers there, which, by the way, even though Davon is taller, I would like to rather if, – if I was like coaching things, I would try to put Austin Rivers on the small forward and put Davon Reed on the two. And the reason is your ones and your twos run most of your pick and rolls in the NBA. If you have Bones Highland and Davon Reed handling most of those pick and rolls, I just love the size and the length on those two guys for that. So to me, do you have enough floor spacing between Bones, Davon, and Austin Rivers, one, two, three? 
it's probably streaky. It's probably hit or miss because Bones and, and Rivers are so streaky. Um, but you don't have, other than Bones, you don't have an awful defender on the court. And with Bryn Forbes, you just do. You automatically have two guys in your backcourt that I don't think can guard. Um, so to me, I'm, I'm against you guys a little bit. I don't think it's going to happen. You traded for Bryn Forbes. It's like a, right. a bad look to not play him. But uh, that, that's how I would like to see it. I just buy Dave on Reed. I think he's good. He's really good. Did you know Davon Reed has the third best assist to turnover ratio in the NBA? The guy never turns it over. He never turns it over. He's also, I mean, he's still got to be north of 30 of uh, 40% from three, right? I mean, that dude's a circle of trust shooter right now. It's insane. Um, the numbers like Austin Rivers, I do think you could go back and forth. Like maybe you need some more shooting. So like Rivers, you get the boot now. Let's put Bryn Forbes back in. But um you know, Austin Rivers is a frustrating player. I just, the numbers bear it out. When he's on the court, the team defends a lot better. And Definitely. I think that, that second unit's going to need some defense in the in the backcourt. He's their best perimeter def- defender, I think, right now in terms of guys that play consistently. And yeah. But I will just, I, I do wonder, um, like Rivers, can you get away with some situational stuff and matchups? Because to Austin's credit, he has been a guy that's, you shelve him for two weeks. Now he's spot starting and he looks okay. Right. Is he comfortable with that? Is Reed comfortable with that? Is that optimal as you try to figure things out heading to the playoffs? I think this is a really good question. For me, it's Rivers, but I get why it's not easy to answer. Let's go to this next one from Flo. It's a good one. Rivers, Faku, Bones, Forbes, Reed, Howard. How would you rank them in level of trust you have for them in a playoff series? It's a good hmm. question. This level of trust. That is playoff. a good question. Um my number one is probably Davon Reed. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. Me too. When you answer this question, you're kind of almost answering like the floor, <laughs> you know, like, like, okay, what are they exactly. not going to drop below? Yeah. I don't trust bones in the playoffs right now. Um, uh, Forbes is tough. Forbes has played really well in the playoffs. I mean, he killed Denver in 2019, played well for Milwaukee in the playoffs last year, but you can just see how easily he can get taken advantage of. I might go Reed, Rivers, Forbes, Bones, Faku Howard. Man, Faku really low there. What do you No disagreement. No disagreement. Really? Yeah. I mean, look, do I think that, you know, in a different context, could like a Faku be more valuable? Sure. But we've just seen how it looks in, in this Denver group. Um, do I trust the Faku plus the second unit minutes or Faku Jokic minutes right now? I don't. Wish I could say I do. I think Wynn has the order exactly right, though. I'll go Rivers first just because he won a playoff series for Denver. Yeah, and I've shit. That's like, I got <laughs> Davon Reed's been here for like a cup of coffee right now, and that's he's looking great. But I am going to go Rivers and then Reed. Um, man, it gets so hard after that because here's the thing. I really do think Bones can succeed in the playoffs this year, but I think he succeeds most likely as like doesn't play game one, doesn't play game two, plays game three and, and, and swings it. And then the team makes an adjustment and he doesn't play game four. I just think like he might be like that. So do I feel that same way about Marcus Howard or, or Faku or Bryn Forbes? Like not really, to be honest, I think I, I don't know if I, but Bones Highland, I do think can have that in a small dose where you catch him off guard and it's like they're so focused on other things. Also, there is a world in which you play teams that aren't capable of taking advantage of Bones. Like not every team has a second unit or just the size where it's like we're going to play through this guy or that guy. Like if I'm thinking about Dallas, 
Luka Doncic would really murder him if he has to go up against him. But what about the other guy? Like Jalen Brunson, really good player, but he's going to be starting too. He's going to cook everybody Denver has. Like Bones, it might be it might be fine there. The other guys they have staggered there, I'm not sure that they're going to take advantage of it. So I'm going to go Rivers, Reed, and then after that, man, Bones, Forbes, Faku, Howard. Chet, Chet's grilling us, and we kind of earned this one. I mean, I... Like Bryn Forbes did not win a championship by himself, but Bryn Forbes has won a championship. Like we're trying to sort out who are guys you can trust in playoff rotations, right? It's important to note he did not play in the finals. <laughs> like, that's a good point. Also a good was, point. Yeah. Uh, but but it's just look, he did there. That's he was the same thing for Milwaukee last year, where you run into a matchup where they can't punish you for it. Boom, you got it. But if you run into one, he's probably just a not a DNP guy. So, um, you know. But it is weird how. It is weird how his best series was against the Heat, and you would think the Heat and that coaching staff could take advantage of that matchup. For, and he for, was able to stay on the floor. He, he is honestly I, the worst defender I've ever seen. So yeah. to me, that's some of the pushback. But I mean, look, he scored twenty six points last night off the bench. Yeah, and, yeah, and was a plus two in it though. Like that's the, that's the other. Part yeah, that's true. You're going, you're going up against Utah's third string also, and right. it was basically a wash with you going on one of your highest scoring sprees ever. So, I mean, I, let's see. We've got to see more Forbes. I want to see the team more healthy. Him more, more defenders around him to maybe cover for him a little bit better. That those things will matter. I just I'm really low on Denver. Does not have a lot of defenders. Right. So when you put a guy out there that is a real anchor defensively they don't have the guys like a milwaukee does that can cover for you right. like hey don't worry we have good defenders one point, three yeah. five here we're gonna stop them for you so we'll see could be wrong on it but i'm just a little bit i i'm i'm a lot slower to embracing uh forbes it seems than than most nuggets fans are at this moment and that's okay all right let's hit another break other side we still got four or five more questions Guys, pick up some breck brew seltzers from your local liquor store from your local grocery store Five flavors of uh, the good company, hard seltzer, honeydew, black cherry, mountain berry, apple pear, peach. I'm a peach guy. I'd recommend the peach. But pick some up from Breck Brew today. Breck Brew is the official beer of DNVR. Uh, they've also got these really great tasting seltzers as well. If you're in the area, if you're local, stop into the DNVR bar. We've got Breck Brew seltzers in the fridge, ready to go, ready for you to consume. Uh, so stop in if you're local and in the area. Also, Chevalier Mortgage, if you have questions about taking out a loan for a home, taking out a mortgage, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they've been in the mortgage business forever. They know all the ins and outs. They know the tricks in the, of the trade. It seems like a complicated process, but they will make it super easy for you. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Uh, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they've been in the mortgage business forever, like I said. Um, with prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that. So call them up for all your questions about your mortgage. Uh, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, Michael Chevalier and MLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier and MLS number 1910631. Tell you guys, I just moved in and my neighbor's moving out immediately. It's like a What'd weird thing. I don't know. I feel like it is personal. I'm like, wow, that was quick. Uh, it's like, damn, this guy time. is on his por back porch every single day watching so these true. freaking birds. Like, what it's is so he true. doing out Every there? single day, man. That's so, that's so, so true. Smells like wind um, over here. We got this uh, great – this is the best Twitter handle name, I think, uh, on the internet, guys. Najee by nature. 
So good. Go for us there, vote. Is Davon Reed the answer for the defensive wing need? And I like that he put that in quotes because Reed's sort of been called a wing at times. This to me really highlights the lack of defining terms we do sometimes. Um, yeah. Or do the Nuggets need to sign someone off the roster? Is defensive wing the biggest need? Because backup five seems way obvious. Hmm. You know, I think he can be that guy. I mean, Reed can play the three. He's six five with a seven foot wingspan. He's really long. He's strong. Uh, I think he can guard a lot of threes. Um, I just don't know if Denver can pull together whatever remaining assets it has and really find somebody that's going to be better. I just don't know if that guy's out there. Yeah. Uh, so I think it can be Reed. Um, backup center, it's kind of the same deal. <laughs> like, I don't know if the Nuggets are going to be able to find somebody that's a better option. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, I, I think if he's able to stay healthy, is the best option available. And I think that's the route they'll go, like I said, if he's able to be healthy. Um, but I, I'm just not confident that Denver can find a true difference maker <laughs> with what it has to trade. I I'm I do think Denver maybe makes a trade here at the deadline, but I think it like when is alluding to it's a smaller one, not something that's going to have an impact. I mean, look, Denver has like very soon too many guys. Once you add Jamal Murray, even right. Michael Porter Jr. back, you're going to have a, we're already talking about which guy gets cut out of the rotation if Davon Reed plays more. That's add two more guys to cut out of the rotation once they get you know those guys back. So to me, I don't know that they're going to be able to add a value piece like that. They might shed to make the the. It was very weird that Faku did not play yesterday. So I look at that and I go, I wonder if he's on, you know, on the market. Somebody looking for a trade there. They're looking for a landing spot for him or something like that. Could be the case. Um, but, you know, I just continue to say, I think Davon Weed, Davon Reed, I, I still want to see him guard twos more than what we've seen him. He's play, kind of played the three a little bit out, by default. But I just want to see the length. You saw this against Minnesota. What did Minnesota have? They have some good defenders, not great ones, but they have some good defenders. But every single dude on that roster is so tall and long and mobile. Davon Reed's yeah. very big wingspan and mobile, so I want to see it. I saw this name pop up in the comments. I really hope the Nuggets do not trade for Alex Lund. I, <laughs> I can't watch that guy play, man. I just can't. I really hope that doesn't happen. It's like Adam loves Will, but is out on Forbes because he can't play D. Come on, man. I mean, well, first of all, Will's been really bad like for 30 games, so you're hitting me at a bad moment here. But Will Barton's been very good for the Nuggets for seven years, but he's been very bad for about three months. He's also um, having the worst defensive year that he's had in a long time, Barton, and still a better defender than Forbes. And I'm not – I like Bryn Forbes, but it's not – it's not even close. Also, like – Barton can do more than Forbes can. Forbes is a really good shooter. That's what he does. But he's not – I mean, low check his assist totals for his career. <laughs> not exactly very high. Um, so, uh, neither I, here nor there, though. They're different players. They're completely different players. What do you guys think about, like, Justin Holiday and, like, how – It's always the same names. I know, man. And that's kind of where we're at, though. Like, is that do – if you go, okay, Holiday is the three and <laughs> look at Windcrack. What about Kenrick Williams, Harrison? What about Instead Kenrick of Williams? Reed? No, I'm serious, though. Like, it, let's – like Reed can be it, but is there a more optimal? Is there an actual small forward? You know, I, don't I mean, know. I might rather have Davon Reed than Justin Holiday. Like to be honest, really, they're, they're kind of similar. I feel like Reed might Reed the better defender. I think um, Holiday. Yeah, yeah, good. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, Reed's probably a better defender. They're about the same height. They're about the same measurables. Um, yeah, I just might rather Davon Reed. Yeah. I think uh, Denver has had a lot. Tim Conley has found a lot of guys that can play, and then it's like the same thing. Like, do you remember they had Terrence Davis for a while, and then it was like, yeah, we don't have a spot for him. <laughs> for one game. For one game in summer league. Hey, but they still found him. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. still giving credit to this. Like, same with Kenrich Williams. They had him in the summer. It's like, yeah, but we don't have a spot. I feel sometimes like it's like, no, you do have a spot for him. This is the 10th guy. You don't need him to be a world beater. Like, is this – and so is is Davon Reed just Justin Holiday? Do you need to trade for Justin Holiday if you right. have – when you have him, yeah. You have Justin Holiday at, at home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Attach another second rounder, you know. Uh, so I don't know. Like, it is it is very funny to me, by the way, that everybody wants to trade for Kenrich Williams when Denver literally had Kenrich Williams they could have for the, the cheapest deal. And it was like, well, we don't – we don't well, have this someone else We want Tyler Lydon instead. Someone offered him a full-time deal, right? That, but yeah, Denver couldn't though. But that—that's my whole point. Denver identified him as a piece that could be really good, and Denver just couldn't make it available to keep their own right. guy. What right. I'm saying is, they have a guy now. Maybe it is the guy. Maybe it's like three years from now, we're going to be talking at the trade deadline. Can Denver trade for Davon Reed? What would it well, cost? First, I actually thought about this, and I wrote this when I was writing about Davon Reed last night. Like, Nuggets have one open roster spot right now. Like, if that goes to Cousins. It would be nice if they could create another open roster spot, give it to Davon Reed, and like sign him to a two-year deal, so you have him under contract for next year too. Yeah, yeah, there you go, and a cheap deal too. Like I think that that is exactly sort of the, the PJ Dozier plan is like you get a yeah. guy, then you give him a big extension, and then you hope that they play well above that because he is the leverage is all on Denver's side right now. Right, um, but if he has a big playoffs or something, and then goes into free agency, maybe you right. lose him. Yeah. I think the real question is, could you convince Jermichael Green, who would have to accept a trade, and can you turn Jermichael Green into a center, and can you do that without pushing yourself above the tax apron? I know that last point's annoying, but it's just the way things work, and I don't think they'll do it this year. So to me, that's what I'm looking at, um, but also important to note, as many have, that Green does have that no-trade clause. I love Ray. Ray is obviously on point here saying, I think the first step is just playing him more, <laughs> find out if he actually is that player. And I think it's true. Like I really like Davon Reed, but I have no idea if he's a 40% three point shooter. Like I have no idea right now he is. And he shoots it with confidence. Right. It's a good point. We need, yeah. I, I want to see, I have no idea if he's a lockdown defender. He's had some really good defensive moments. He's had some bad ones. I want to see what he looks like with more and more uh, opportunity. What do we got next? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, let me pull up the list again because I'm an idiot. I know we had a rough schedule for most of these games, but how concerning is our record and how we match up uh, against other teams in the three through six range? Dallas, Utah, Memphis. Great question to us from Map Time Arcata. Arcata. That'd be my favorite question we got. Wind? Well, sorry. What was the question again? Yeah, no, it's a good one. Um, the rough schedule has been tough, but how concerning is the record against other teams in their range? Dallas, Utah, Memphis. Oh, um, yeah. I, I mean, a little concerning, like the nuggets are 20 and five against below 500 teams. It's the third best mark in the West. And I think in the league, just behind Phoenix and golden state, um, you know, some of those matchups they haven't had yoke for, um, but yeah, it's it's a little concerning. I mean, those teams, I, I think, just so far have been a cut above Denver. But 
you know, now I think you can probably put Denver in a tier with Dallas and Utah. And I don't, I feel like we haven't seen Nuggets 2.0 against um, Dallas. It's tough because as we've seen so far, it is presently constructed. It's absolutely concerning. They don't look like to me, they can, they can beat those teams in seven game series. But again, the idea is, hopefully the roster and rotation looks entirely different by then anyway. Right. And if they don't, if it doesn't, the nuggets are kind of screwed. Of course, we're talking about Murray Porter coming back into the fold. The one thing to me that I do think is an area of concern that absolutely carries over. Even if those guys come back is the perimeter defense, the point of attack defense. I think there was an aggregate defensive prowess to those starters post trade. They were trying some more things, a little more switchable, a little larger and more formidable, but with Jamal Murray coming off an ACL injury, Porter coming off a back surgery, are we sure that the point of attack defense looks any better with those guys in? Right. Um, I, that's I, the area I'm with not... Murray, by the way, that's most up in question. Like, can he guard quick guards? Right. Like, I mean, he's just going right. to have the same strength. Um, so it's a real area of concern. Um, I don't think it matters that much. In fact, I would say very, very close to not mattering at all, especially – because I don't know if any of these statistics really matter that much about who's beat who and the record. Sure, versus too. This season is so dumb. If you go back and look at the games, like most of them can be explained by things that like, oh yeah, Yoke didn't play that game or, oh, that was a back-to-back for this team and re- whatever. Like this year and more that, so than most years, it means that. The one thing I will say, like Dallas, I haven't been impressed with Dallas, you know, in the times I've watched them. Their defense is a lot better, but I think Denver will score on them in a playoff series. And I think they'll be able to scheme better for them in the playoff series. Utah's interesting because they're a good team when they're fully healthy, but they're like Denver right now where you just don't know what they are fully healthy because it's been so long. Memphis is a team that has really impressed me. And I don't know what Denver looks like against them in a playoff series, but they look, they're a team that you have to beat. You can't just expect to out talent them. You have to go out and beat them. So that's the one I would say, but mostly the record throw it out the window. Yeah. It's not going to matter. All right. right, What do we got? One more, two more, Uh, a couple more. This is a good one. We talked about it a good amount on Twitter of the day, but I don't know if we potted about it much. Did the DPE uh, disabled player exception change any of your exceptions on Porter Jr. playing this year? And what are your current thoughts? That comes to us from OG Mile High fan. Uh, No, not at all. It did not change it at all because this is something Denver applied for, you know, back when Porter got hurt. Right. Um, And... Yeah, I think what happens with this is like a a non-Nuggets doctor comes in and pretty much says if he's likely to return this season or not. Um, And they said not. But, I mean, from everything I've been told, it's still on the table that he comes back. Um, So I haven't adjusted my my thinking that much. Um, I still think he could come back. Same poked around, same thing, got the same response. So to me, I don't think this means anything one way or the other, uh, at least at the moment. I actually, I would say I still think Michael Porter comes back. I, yeah. Maybe it's hopeful yeah. thinking, but that, that's still my my belief. Even I poked around and even I heard that as well. I just think it's important to remember that that's not necessarily an update on his rehab status. And also just sort of flip the perspective on a team doctor saying it's unlikely. Think about how effing absurd it would be if he didn't if a guy looked at a, a young guy with his third back surgery <laughs> and was like you know what he's probably coming back he's a lock right? yeah lock it's like, no they back. were always gonna get that dpe i think yeah. um and that doesn't reflect denver's attitude on on him coming back i love this one second to last question 
from our guy Flo, who's coming, by the way. He's coming in March to Denver. So get to hey. I love when we get to meet the people from out of town, man. It makes me so happy. Um, he asks, what's your prediction? Win losses for the seven remaining games till All-Star break? Well, well, well. Why don't we go ahead and go through these real quick? We've got um, – I'm trying to share this on the screen so everybody can see it here. All right, we got the Nuggets schedule right here. Three home games, New Orleans, Brooklyn, and New York. Me and Wynn both are on the impression that Denver should, should win all three of these. They're not, none of them are gimmies. They're no like real bums. You know, this isn't Detroit or whatever. But I do think you're at home. You have weekend crowds. Denver should win all three of those games, in my opinion. Um, I agree. I'm going to go at Boston as a win. There's three days off. You have to travel to Boston, but there's three days off. Then you play a I think that's a win. Boston's not very good. Denver should win that one. You play Toronto on a back-to-back. I think that's a loss. Uh, Boston's just playing better loss. lately. They're playing better lately. You're right that they're not very good. But Denver, Denver should smash them. Uh, Toronto, that, that one, the back-to-back is tough. Orlando, you come back home. Orlando's terrible. You also have the revenge factor. I think that's a win. At Golden State right before the break, I think that one's a loss. So I think Denver goes 5-2 and two over this stretch. I was going to say five and two as well. Guys, February 14th, Gary Harris's first game back when he's wow. playing with the Magic. Remember, he Gary was back Harrison? here last year. He was back here last year, but he wasn't playing. Right. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Contract year, Gary's going to drop 30 in ball arena. <laughs> <laughs> They'll still lose. I mean, come on. Yeah, but it's going to happen. How many so is Franz Wagner going to put up, though? That's five and the two? Question. Yeah, I got five and two. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, four and three definitely is possible. That Boston game is by no means a lock to win. Brooklyn game by no means a lock, but I think five and two um, would set them up very nicely for a post-All-Star break run. By the way, guys, post-All-Star break, it's going to be happening quick. Murray's return, Porter's return, all these home games in March. It's like they're almost all home games in March. Like After the All-Star break, things really pick up for Denver. Last question yeah. here. What will make Nuggets fans vomit in their own mouth more? Jeremy Grant going to the Jazz or to the Lakers? I love this question. It's a great one to end on. I got my answer. I got my Mine's answer. Mine's an easy answer. Yeah, it's give the Lakers. E- give us either or, and it won't be us throwing up in our mouth. It'll be the Jazz fans or the Lakers. Can I tell you, man, things have really turned on him. Like people, I think I've been way more critical of Jeremy Grant this year because it really is. I, I don't know. He's not going to the Lakers. He doesn't want to because he wants to be the star. It's funny. He's not the star in Utah either. Like if he went to Utah, I honestly think even with you know the Ingles injury or whatever, I still think he's the fourth or fifth most important player on that roster. I mean, you got Gobert and Mitchell easily one two. You've got Bogdanovich and Clarkson and Conley. Like he's kind of on the same level to me as a Conley in terms of his impact on the team. Yeah. Maybe lower yeah, for even. Sure. So um kind of crazy. I'll tell you I what know. would kill Nuggets fans even more though is if Gary Harris went to the Jazz. Oh I'll no, don't that. even speak that into the world. Oh. I'll just say that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> That's what would really kill Nuggets. Oh. Oh no! Let's get out. Yeah, here. Yeah, Let's thanks, Harrison. Cool. End the show. End the show. Let's go home. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Guys, if you're looking for a really good alternate to traditional coffee, check out StravaCraftCoffee.com. There you can purchase some StravaCraft coffee, the CBD infused coffee that's really changing lives. CBD can lead to less neck pain, back pain. It can help 
you with arthritis, IBS, aches and pains, migraines. CBD has been proven to help with a lot of that stuff. And StravaCraft Coffee just tastes really good as well. So go to StravaCraftCoffee.com. If you're a first-time customer, use the code DNVR25. You're going to save 25% off your purchase of StravaCraft Coffee. You can also get a StravaCraft Coffee subscription. Get your coffee delivered to you. You can get that at StravaCraftCoffee.com. If you're a returning StravaCraft Coffee customer, make sure to use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your purchase from StravaCraftCoffee.com every single time.